This is Dave Burnett, and I want to welcome you to today's God's Family Plan podcast. The title of today's message, Preparing for a New Year Ahead. I'd like to ask you two questions. Were you prepared for 2020, and will you be prepared for 2021? Kathy and I have already begun to listen and to look for insight and Holy Spirit guidance for the new year ahead. Over the past several years, we've learned the significance of the times and seasons revealed in the Jewish calendar. Now, from a practical perspective, we do operate our daily lives by the Gregorian calendar, and the Gregorian calendar is the calendar that's used by most of the modern world. However, we've come to see that the prophetic spiritual insight that is contained in the calendar of the patriarchs, kings, and prophets of Israel is valuable to us today. The body of Christ where we worship celebrates both Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, in the fall and the modern New Year on January 1st. We find inspiration and insight in both. I said all that to say this, by preparing now for the Jewish New Year, we get a head start on preparing for the year that begins January 1st. Let me give you an example. This time last year, Kathy and I were in the process of finishing our book and preparing it for publication. We came to see that it was necessary to have the book completed for Rosh Hashanah, Head of the Year 5780, our celebration in late September 2019. God's Family Plan, Establishing Generational Blessing, was published in September of 2019. God's Family Plan is about managing change and revealing God's strategy for preparing multiple generations for the future. Given the changes that occurred early in the new year 2020, Little did we know how prophetic this book would be. What if 5781 and 2021 bring us to events that change our lives as dramatically as 5780 and 2020? Whether you accept the prophetic spiritual dimensions of the Jewish calendar or not, I believe it's time to begin our preparations for the new year ahead. But how? How do we prepare? Do we prepare for good or evil? Do we prepare for plenty or lack in the new year to come? The answer is yes. Now that answer may sound a bit confusing, but when I read Philippians chapter 4 verses 11 through 13 in the Passion Translation, it may help you understand why I gave that answer. This passage reads, I know what it means to lack, and I know what it means to experience overwhelming abundance. For I'm trained in the secret of overcoming all things, whether in fullness or in hunger. And I find that the strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty. Let's look at the language of this passage. Think about that for a minute. For I am trained in the secret of overcoming all things. And then the Apostle Paul goes on to say, The strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty. Now to me that's amazing. But when we consider these statements within the context of the all things and every difficulty that were a reality in Paul's history, this statement becomes even more amazing. Here's a summary of what Paul suffered and overcame. The list is taken from 2 Corinthians 11, verses 24 through 27. I'm reading from the voice translation. Paul says, Five times I withstood 39 lashes from Jewish authorities. Three times I was battered with rods. Once I was almost stoned to death. Three times I was shipwrecked, and I spent one day and night adrift on the sea. 
I've been on many journeys and faced the most extreme circumstances, perilous rivers, violent thieves, and threats by my own people and by the Gentile outsiders alike. I faced dangers in the city, in the wilderness, and at sea, and danger from spies among our brothers and sisters. I've survived toil and hardships, sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, without a crumb in sight, bare to the cold. Beyond Paul's list of these trying times, Philippi itself adds context to his preparation to overcome all things and to conquer every difficulty. It was at Philippi about a decade earlier in Acts chapter 16 that Paul and Silas were brought before the magistrates. They had their clothes torn off, were beaten with rods, thrown into the innermost prison, and secured in restraints known as stocks. And as an additional frame of reference for this letter to the Philippians, it's what's known as a prison epistle. It's thought that Paul wrote Philippians during his first Roman imprisonment mentioned in Acts 28 verses 30 through 31. So when Paul tells the church at Philippi that he's been trained in the secret of overcoming all things and that Christ's power gives him the ability to conquer every difficulty, he has the resume to back it up. So how did Paul prepare? What did Paul learn that enabled him to overcome in spite of all the onslaught of trials and persecution he experienced? Well, Paul gives us some insight starting at the beginning of Philippians chapter 4. The first three verses of this chapter focus on life in a body of believers. We call that church, the church at Philippi. But Paul is addressing more than a building or an organization. He's addressing his spiritual brothers and sisters. It's about relationships. And Paul encourages his brothers and sisters, as ones he dearly loves, to stand fast in the Lord. Like these brothers and sisters, our ability to stand in any situation and circumstance is dependent and centered on our relationship with the Lord. It's out of our singular focus on Jesus that we can function together and minister to each other as members of his body, the church. In verse 2, Paul speaks to a disagreement between two specific members of the church at Philippi. His plea is for their restoration to one mind in the Lord. Again, the focus is in the Lord. Let me go off track here for a moment. There will always be disagreements of various kinds and types as long as the focus is on our personal opinion, our personal appetites, our personal desires. We see so much disagreement in the news, so much disharmony and chaos because of that. It's only when we come to the place of being of one mind in the Lord that we can truly find the place of agreement, unity, and synergy. Jesus said, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. That's why Satan works so hard to create disagreement between Christians. Chaos, envy, strife, confusion, and offense rob us of the power of agreement that is found in being of one mind with the Lord. Incidentally, I encourage you to go to Galatians 5, through 23 and look at what Paul calls the fruit of the Spirit. As we read through the list of the manifestations of Holy Spirit in the life of the believer, first on the list is love. And that's what Paul is talking about in these first three verses of Philippians chapter 4. 
When we're truly focused on Jesus and our love relationship with him, we will be steadfast. We will be of one mind with him, and we will walk in harmony, unity, and synergy with our brothers and sisters in Christ, with those who are so focused on Jesus that there's no room for envy and strife. But Paul has more for us. In verse 4 of Philippians 4, it's in this verse that Paul tells the Philippians to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoicing is a key element of Paul's preparation strategy, but again, it's about relationship. This is in the Lord rejoicing. The psalmist puts it in perspective for us in Psalm 1611. It reads, in your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Again, we see Paul is tracking with the fruit of the Spirit. In that, I especially like Galatians 5.22 in the Passion Translation. It reads, But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions, joy that overflows. And so the list goes on. But right there next to love, at the top of the list, is joy. Joy is not a product of our outward circumstances. It's a fruit that's produced by relationship with the Lord, experiencing His presence and submitting to His Holy Spirit. In Nehemiah 8.10, the prophet Ezra told the captives who had returned to Jerusalem, Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. It is from this in the Lord kind of joy that strength is produced. In today's vernacular, life in the Spirit produces a superpower called joy. Now, Paul had mastered the art of what I call intentional joy. Intentional joy is making a choice to be joyful whether you feel like it or not. Let me give you an example. If you recall earlier, I mentioned that about a decade prior to the book of Philippians, Paul and Silas were beaten, thrown into the inner prison, and placed in stocks at Philippi. Well, this is just the beginning of the story. You see, while they were in prison, Paul and Silas didn't just sit around moaning, complaining, and licking their wounds. Acts chapter 16 tells us that Paul and Silas conducted a prayer and praise service right there in the inner prison in the middle of the night. And suddenly an earthquake hit that prison, and the doors to all the cells came open. The jailer could only imagine the worst, that all the prisoners had escaped. And that's not good for career advancement if you're a jailer. In fact, the jailer was so distressed that he was about to commit suicide when Paul stopped him. You can read the details for yourself in Acts chapter 16, but to make a long story short, none of the prisoners escaped. The jailer led Paul and Silas out of the prison. The jailer was led to the Lord along with his household. The jailer washed Paul and Silas's wounds. The jailer and his household were all baptized. And then the jailer took Paul and Silas into his house and fed them. Then Acts 16.34 in the Passion Translation provides us with an awesome insight. The jailer and all his family were filled with, you guessed it, joy in their newfound faith in God. When you start a prayer and praise service in stocks in an inner prison, friend, that's no accident. That's intentional. And as we see in this story, Paul and Silas's intentional joy became contagious. But there's more. Let's move on to verse 5 of Philippians 4 and look at it in the Amplified Version. 
It says, let your gentle spirit, your graciousness, unselfishness, mercy, tolerance, and patience be known to all people. The Lord is near. Again, we see Galatians 5.23, fruit of Holy Spirit manifestation in the life of the believer. This time in the form of gentleness. Vine's Dictionary tells us that this can also be understood as sweet reasonableness. Sometimes the greatest enemy of the gospel is the legalistic, letter of the law, harsh, ungracious temperament and attitude or way of life of the ones who are preaching the loudest. Paul says it this way in 2 Timothy 2.24 in the Passion Translation, For a true servant of our Lord Jesus will not be argumentative, but gentle toward all and skilled in helping others see the truth, having great patience toward the immature. Now back to Philippians 4 verse 5. Notice that Paul ends this verse with the phrase, The Lord is near, or the Lord is at hand, in the King James. Strong's Concordance tells us that the word translated at hand or near can represent both time and place. Regardless, we ought to live unto the Lord as his children. He wants us to manifest the spiritual fruit of gentleness, and we know that the Lord is always near. He is in our heart. Next, we come to verse 6 of Philippians 4. In this verse, Paul says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I want to look at verse 6 through the lens of Isaiah 1.18. The prophet says, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool, says the Lord. Did you hear the words of Isaiah? God wants to talk to us, regardless of the mess we're in. But it's not unusual, especially when we're under pressure, to let our thoughts run wild. We can become anxious, fretful, and fearful over situations and circumstances that seem insurmountable and do dumb, ignorant, sinful stuff. Don't let that surprise you. It's Satan's strategy to distract us in multiple directions at the same time to literally get us into a mental ping-pong match. Remember the double-minded man who was unstable in all of his ways. You see, Satan wants to isolate us, insulate us, fragment our thinking by convincing us that the condition of the world, our nation, our household, our own personal situation is just too overwhelming and impossible to resolve. He wants us to believe that we're in this mess all by ourselves without hope. There is no answer. But God. And Paul tells us that what we need to do is to tell him about our concerns, cares, and anxious thoughts. That is, tell God all about your troubles. When we have an ongoing prayer without ceasing dialogue, going with our Heavenly Father, he will lead us out of anxiety. The question is, Are we going to focus on the things that are making us anxious? Are we going to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith? When we bring our anxiety to God, we're not denying the circumstances that make us anxious. We're simply denying circumstances the right to preoccupy our mental and spiritual focus. David did not deny the size of Goliath. He just knew someone bigger. Faith does not deny the size of our problem. It intentionally chooses to focus on the problem solver. And that leads us to the end result of living out the Apostles' Council in the previous six verses of Philippians chapter 4. 
verse 7 reads, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. When you do the stuff of verses 1 through 6, you get the results of verse 7. You'll get peace as a guard for your heart, literally a garrison to guard your thought life. You'll get peace instead of anxiety. This is not just a normal, everyday, run-of-the-mill peace of mind. It's the polar opposite of fragmented, distractive thinking of anxiety that is prevalent throughout the world today. It's another Galatians 5 fruit of the spirit kind of peace. It's a spiritual manifestation, a spiritual force produced by our spiritual union with the Lord. This is a peace that is beyond all human understanding, a heavenly peace. This is that kind of peace that takes brokenness and puts it back together again. And finally, we come to verse 8. Paul says, So keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind, and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising Him always. Because of all that Paul has said before this point, intentionally think about what you're thinking about. Reading from the Passion Translation in 2 Corinthians 10.5, Paul tells us, We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the Anointed One. We don't deny that pain, evil, injustice, and every form of wrong exist in the world. It's just not beneficial to let those things dominate our focus. We find the answer to evil not in focusing on evil, but by focusing on the good, the pure, and the powerful. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, Jesus said, With God, all things are possible. Notice he didn't say it's possible if it agrees with modern science, modern medicine, or modern political thought. Our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If all things were possible 2,000 years ago, all things are possible today. And all things will be possible with God for the remainder of 5780 and 2020. And all things will still be possible with God throughout 5781 and 2021. So I hope you agree. Philippians 4 seems like a place to begin in preparing for 5781 and 2021. I believe that if we implement the insight this chapter unveils, we can say with the Apostle Paul, I know what it means to lack, and I know what it means to experience overwhelming abundance. For I'm trained in the secret of overcoming all things, whether in fullness or in hunger. And I find that the strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty. I want to thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. Remember, if you have comments or questions, you can submit those to us on our God's Family Plan Facebook page. Until next time, Kathy and I bless you and your household. May God's favor rest upon you today. In Jesus' name, amen.